the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And in this episode of Summer of Sharks, we have got a megalodon of a movie for you. It is the cult classic Shark Attack 3 Megalodon from 2002. Our penultimate Summer of Sharks movie for this summer is 2002's Shark Attack 3 Megalodon, directed by David Worth and starring, amongst other people, John Barrowman. So if you go by Nick Braganis's synopsis, you will expect a much more epic movie than this actually is, because Nick has a knack for being very descriptive and making things sound better than they actually are. So what does Nick Paganis have to say about Shark Attack 3 Megalodon? Here goes. 24 million years ago, the gigantic Megalodon, a 20-ton killing machine with a 10-foot gaping bite, ruled the prehistoric oceans. But thankfully, it became extinct. However, when the marine biologist Cat Stone discovers a massive shark off the Mexican coast, it's Bulgaria, by the way. Her worst fears surface. The most menacing creature to ever rule the waters is still alive and mercilessly feeding on anything that crosses its path. Now, as the massive beast terrorises the workers during the maintenance on an underwater cable, they must hunt the fierce oceanic killer and destroy it before there is no one left to stop it. Is there an escape from the jaws of terror? Well... I wish there was an escape from this movie, apart from the fact that you could just switch it off. And regardless of the fact that people are trying their absolute best to make it look like Mexico and make it feel like Mexico, it's clearly a movie shot somewhere else. And the Bulgarian actors, they are trying their damnedest to make it more exotic. But when you've got a character called Ruiz that has clearly got an Eastern European accent, that's the level this movie is operating at, unfortunately. And it's kind of indicative of David Worth's stuff, basically. I remember his 80s post-apocalyptic movie, Warrior of the Lost World. It is flat out one of the worst post-apocalyptic movies I've seen, even considering the fact that Robert Ginty, isn't it? Robert Ginty was like a staple of 80s exploitation action straight to video stuff and I'm quite a big fan of Robert Ginty and even with him in the movie I thought it was shite so you can kind of see what David Wells usually does to movies there's a hint as to 
where he came from. Some of the setups in the movie are kind of sort of low rent porno setups, and a lot of his early flicks in the kind of mid 70s and sort of early 80s they were x rated hardcore movies. Now, I'm not saying there's no artistic quality in hardcore pornography because I'm sure there is. But David Worth did not possess it. And that kind of low rent, slightly sleazy edge has carried over to quite a lot of the movies, including this one. Yes, definitely. And that's interesting finding out about his background in porn, because as you say, it definitely carries over here. This film is incredibly sleazy, like the undertones of it. It is just that. This movie actually surfaced because (laughs) of the internet. And that's no surprise because, of course, with most things, people discover it and then it kind of gains traction online with memes. It was because a clip showing a shark attacking a yacht went viral and then other scenes became popular in the film because of the bizarre dialogue and the poor special effects. And that's a fact uh, taken from IMDb. So that is kind of the background of this. It is one of those films that... It's um, generated a buzz. It's like a cult movie in the sense of when you when you hear about bad movies, you have The Room, you have Troll 2, and you have this. Now, I know it's not as much of a cult classic as those films particularly, but it's kind of one that if you've seen those, you will have likely have heard of this one. And then there's also films like Birdemic that come into the mix as well. So it's that type of era of internet popularity that really plummeted this one into the... Uh, public consciousness it's not as horrible as birdemic if anybody has seen birdemic and is wondering how this stacks up against it it isn't quite as clunky and amateurish and downright awful as birdemic is but it's not far off it's good for bad movie connoisseurs because it just completely throws any credibility out the window early on it's just thrown together there's an early scene in which John Barrowman's character goes onto a marine tech website because he's got a shark tooth and he wants to identify it and it's like no website you will have ever seen before it's just got huge pages with what seems to be a Microsoft Word document on it and the natural history expert cat is also on this website also looking at pages which bear no resemblance to web pages whatsoever and there's kind of a chat function and an identification function and it's garbage to be perfectly honest <laughs> i mean i can't have a go at the it in this movie because it's so perfunctory and it's so half-heartedly done that it feels somehow churlish of me to go after the it because They've basically said, oh, I want something that looks like a web page, but we need it done in about 10 minutes. And somebody's gone, well, there you go. How do you think that's going to work? And regardless of the fact that it's never going to look like any sort of marine biology website, somebody's gone, yeah, that'll do. We'll just put that on screen. Because none of this movie is trying to be quality in any way. It's just there. It's an exploitation movie in which... They've clearly got limited resources. They can't go to Mexico, so they've got to shoot it in Bulgaria. They've got characters that you've seen in lots and lots of other shark movies, mostly Jaws. There's a rip-off shark point of view 
shot going underwater to start with. The music sounds a little bit like Jaws, just up to the point where you can't get sued, but it's very close. It's a catalogue of incompetence, this movie. There are things that are just thrown in for no reason whatsoever. At some point, they put a time clock on the screen. It's at Apex Communications. And all of a sudden it says 5am. And you think, oh right, is this going to be like a countdown to something? It, no, there's no countdown. The time or the date or the year is never ever referenced again. All of a sudden it's just like, yeah, it's 5am in the morning. And there are people in this company. It's like, so, okay, so what's the 5am got to do with anything? Are we starting a race against time? No, we're not. It just happens to be 5am and they've stuck it on the screen. Really? Is that where we are? It's like, why the fuck did it have to be 5am? Why did they have to stick it on the screen? It's clear it's the early morning, but the early morning doesn't have anything to do with the plot either. It's something to do with the fact that they're trying to cover up the fact that they've done something nefarious with this communications cable underwater. The time has absolutely nothing to do with it. (laughs) It is incredibly bizarre. And we can't talk about Shark Attack 3 without talking about John Barrowman. Now, John Barrowman is obviously famous for being a stage and musical star, and he's famous also for um, being in the cult TV series Torchwood. He did this obviously in the early 2000s, and very much like Michael Caine in Jaws the Revenge, it bought him his house. So it's clear that there's a trend here. Famous actors starring in low-budget shark movies to get themselves uh, set up in life, and you can't argue with that. But the weirdest thing about John Barrowman's role in this film is he was asked to improvise a line. The director's like, say something funny. So he utters this famous line that is so cringe, I don't think I can even, <laughs> even repeat it myself, but if you know, you know. John Barrowman did not expect this line to actually stay in the final cut of the movie, and I think he's quite appalled that it has. But not only that, this line then fades into this really cringe sex scene that ends with a woman's face climaxing to a silhouette of a sunset. You see what we're saying about David West's porno background, it's that kind of movie. I mean, the sex scene isn't particularly explicit, it just seems to be a minute and a half of John Barrowman nuzzling the female lead's chest. You don't even see kind of anything below the top half of either of them. It's a fairly tame scene, but it is ridiculous. Do you want me to say the line? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's very, very cringy. Well, you know, I'll take I'll take one for the I'll take one for the podcast. Go on, <laughs> go on. This this is the line, right? So they've just had a bit of a, a kind of a, an adventurous experience, and the, the guy that Chuck Rampart. Let's come back to Chuck in a bit. But Chuck says, right, we should meet up the following morning, and we should plan how we're going to get rid of this megalodon. Cat says that uh, she's fairly tired and she wants to go home and sort of build up for the next day. And uh, John Barrowman's character says, I'm really wired. What do you say I take you home and eat your pussy? <laughs> it's, it's got nothing to do with the rest of the scene at all. And the fact of the matter is, it just smash cuts to the shower scene straight afterwards. So any kind of reaction shot or any kind of lingering sort of pause in the sequence to make the audience kind of stand back and go, did he just say that? It's completely ruined by the fact that the cut is straight into the next bit. So 
it's just there. So you get the line and then it moves on immediately. And you're kind of left thinking, did I just hear that? Did he say what I <laughs> thought he just said? And and apparently, because the line was kind of rude, when they used it on the HBO TV version, they had to redub the line. And it said, what do you say I take you home and watch I Love Lucy? <laughs> that was highly amusing when I read that fact. Yeah, it's kind of like how in the room with the way Tommy was so wrote lines and it's dialogue that you can't imagine people actually saying in real life. And this is just one of those. And it, it's it's kind of like the hello doggy scene in the room where you're a bit like, what the fuck did I just hear? <laughs> and it's very much that. And other than the incredibly dodgy CGI in this film, this is what it's most famous for. And I think poor John Barrowman has got to live with this kind of line following him around for the rest of his career. Because even though he's done very well since this film, people will always return to this. Hey, did you know he was in this shark movie? Yeah, he can't get rid of it off his CV either because that's clearly him there. <laughs> I mean, he's not the worst thing about this movie. He's perfectly decent in his role. The role seems to be a bit weird because he's kind of riding the line between his character being a bit of an arsehole and a hero. So it's playing both ends of the pitch with him. Generally, he's more of a hero than most of the other characters. Apart from Chuck Rampart, who is one of his sidekicks and is trying to uncover the nefarious dealings of Apex Communications. Chuck Rampart is a great hero name. I would guess that nobody on the planet is called Chuck Rampart. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. If there is a Chuck Rampart out there listening to it, write in and say, hey, I'm called Chuck Rampart. He's this kind of square-jawed, ex-Navy type who you know is going to come through in the end and he's going to provide some of the equipment. But it's all ridiculous. I mean, Chuck Rampart has got an ancient torpedo kicking about in his shed. It's like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do with the torpedo because if you happen to have a 15-year-old torpedo kicking about at home and there's a massive killer shark running about it's like well you know what we could use the torpedo to blow the shark up with so that's quite handy isn't it but it's just full of convenience this movie even the death sequences are just randomly chucked in there's a couple on a water slide that go down the water slide the shark's waiting from the bottom there's a guy playing with a frisbee with his dog in the water the dog seems to know far more about what's in the water than its owner does. The dog doesn't want to go in the water. The guy's asking the dog to come in so it can play frisbee. The shark's after the owner in the end. Points, actually, for not killing the dog. Bonus points there, because the dog survives. So the owner gets killed, not the dog. But it's still bloody ridiculous, because you just see the shot of the dog sort of staring into the water. It's like, (laughs) it's like, what's the dog seeing? It's like, can the dog see the fin or anything? Uh, Oh, by the way, the fin, the... POV shot of the fin. It's the worst special effects fin I have ever seen in a movie. It looks like they've knocked it together out of a bit of polystyrene or a bit of MDF or something. It's terrible. I mean, it doesn't even convince the fin. It's almost like, I mean, I think it might even change colour at one point slightly. It's like, it's, it's awful. We're talking about operating on this level. It's low budget and then some. And the shark attacks are just not convincing. It's just terrible i mean 
it just seems to be that the shark kills most people by ramming into boats and then knocking them into the water so that it can eat them. And it does this over and over and over again. doesn't seem to matter about the size of the boat either because by the end of it, it's taking on massive super yachts where they're having parties. It's, oh, it's, it's bloody ridiculous. And it's not <laughs> bloody ridiculous in an entertaining way either. It's just bloody ridiculous. <laughs> and then other notable scenes from this film are definitely towards the end of the movie where you have got this business party boat scene going on to the point where you get repeated shots like the same shots of people jumping in the water and this seems to like go on forever and it's like yeah they're all jumping in the water where the shark is i don't understand the logic would it be safer to stay on the boat because they're all trying to get to like this lifeboat which i think is more exposed this shark is huge and we get to see like repeated shots of this shark, the CGI megalodon. It's exactly, it's like it's almost glitched. It just kind of pops up, gaping jaws, and then things just fly into it. I'm not kidding. And then we also have a scene where there's this poor woman who has got her life jacket on, ready to go, ready to survive this ordeal. And then this complete pompous asshole businessman guy just grabs it off her to save himself and then of course he just jumps straight into the shark's mouth it is beggar's belief this movie it is absolutely <laughs> it's it is ridiculous yeah. that that whole sequence and it had been a while since i'd watched this film i had seen it many years ago when i was a student with a group of people and i just recall laughing at it then but I was like, oh, yeah, this is all coming back to me now, this boat scene. Yeah, this is this is what I remember the most from this movie, other than John Barrowman uttering that cringy line. Yeah, absolutely. And you know how, like, the last episode that we revisited Open Water and thought, you know what, we were too harsh on Open Water the first time. It seems to be a pretty decent movie, and it has something to say, and we were wrong the first time. So Open Water is that kind of movie where we had to reevaluate what we thought about it. In this case, I didn't have to reevaluate this movie because I thought I thought this was really shit when I watched it the last time. I wonder if it's improved. No, it's still really shit, this movie. It's awful. And it does seem that the shark gets to eat people by their own incompetence. They kind of fall into its mouth. It's not really attacking people. Like you say, it's like, what shall I do? Shall I stay on the yacht or shall I go on the tiny little inflatable dinghy thing? I'll go for the inflatable dinghy thing because that's going to provide much more cover against a massive fucking shark. Whereas a yacht, it's only got kind of a casing and sort of floors and, and the hull and everything. So that's not going to protect me at all. It's a dumb movie and it's not a dumb movie in the fact that I can watch it and think, this is stupid, but it's fun. This is just stupid. <laughs> on every single level even the stuff that it tries to rip off there's a bit where it certainly tries to rip off the beach evacuation scene in jaws now that in jaws it's a really good suspense sequence it builds the tension up it's really exciting here it's just a load of people screaming and randomly running about on the beach there's no tension generator whatsoever the most tension you get is somebody driving a skidoo up towards the beach which then kind of nose dives into the sand and they get a little bit knocked about but the shark doesn't get anybody the beach evacuation is incredibly tedious and it's like quite a lot of the rest of the movie i can't really say i enjoyed this an awful lot apart from the line and apart from the terrible effects but a lot of the time i was just thinking how long's this movie going on for I mean, it's only like 99 minutes this movie 
it felt quite a bit longer because there's a long stretch in the middle where, to be quite honest, fuck all happens. <laughs> You're absolutely right there. It does drag. And talking of other hilarious scenes in this movie, there's the paragliding scene. And that feels like it goes on for absolutely forever. And it's like, again, repeating the woman's reaction several times before anything really happens. And it's like, you're sitting there, I know exactly where this is going. And you're just waiting for it. And you're waiting for ages. It kind of like misses the punchline completely and just drags it out. And then another scene that I could not stop laughing at was the end where John Barrowman is trying to escape from the submarine and he's basically got a missile on a timer that's going to blow up the shark. And in this scene, it basically turns into like a really bad computer video game CGI, like really early 2000s, late 90s graphics. And it does not look real. I know it's not supposed to look real, but it really begs the question, was the filmmakers actually wanting to make a, a seriously suspenseful shark film or did they just not give a shit and they were just doing whatever with this because it even has bad dubbing in it it's like did they know what they were doing was this all intentional that's the question i have with this one people are on set making a film like this how does the experience go like you know are they thinking oh god i've got to recite this terrible dialogue that is just embarrassing or do i actually genuinely think oh yeah we're making something decent here it's a good question. I mean, I think if you're a jobbing actor, I guess it's a job, basically. But at some point, you're going to have to look at the script and think, am I actually going to have to say this? This is really, really stupid. It does seem to be kind of half-heartedly stuck together. There's nothing really imaginative or innovative or original about this. It's just a knockoff shark movie that makes you feel that you should be watching other better shark movies. And you're right, CGI John Barrowman at the end when he's trying to swim away, it's terrible. It's just like a really, really bad home computer video game. It doesn't even look convincing when he's trying to swim away. And also, the fact that at the end, he's swimming away. He manages to, well, almost outrun. He gets he gets blown a little bit out of the way. But basically, he manages to swim at low speed out of the way in what looks like a small nuclear explosion on the seabed. And he just kind of comes out and he's like, yeah, he's a bit out of breath, but it's like, basically, it's like, oh, no, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then you get the obvious ending where they've blown the shark up, but then it goes to somewhere else in the sea and there's another one there. It's like, oh, yeah, like we didn't know that was going to happen. So the ending is even unsatisfying because they haven't got rid of the menace. There's another one coming at some point, so I don't think we had Shark Attack for though, so there, was, there wasn't another Megalodon kicking about. But it's it's just dispirited when people make stuff like this, because it's not even fun as a terrible movie. It's just been slotted together just as a, an exercise in possibly making a bit of money on DVD or something like that. And it's just not fun. It's a shame because it had the potential to be. When you've got elements like you've got Chuck Rampart and you've got John Barrowman obviously, you know, having a reasonably good time at this. And there are some characters that you think if they'd have developed them a bit more, it might have been a half decent movie. But it's not. It's just like, there you go. There's the setting. There's the shark. Bunch of people. Some of them get killed. Some of them don't. Shark's dead. End of movie. 
it ends really abruptly as well it yeah. just kind of ends it's like okay we've just been through all this okay they, they're just gonna end it they're not really gonna give us any sort of closure it's just like yeah he's been rescued goodbye yeah you're right <laughs> there's, there's no there's no time to decompress at, at the end of it there's no there's no sort of come down at the end there's no scene where they where they have a little bit of a dialogue bit banter at the end it's just basically oh he's all right yeah shark's dead end of movie it's like oh great so we don't even get anything witty at the end it's just these people have survived these people haven't shark's dead could be another one on the horizon you've just wasted two pound 49 renting this yeah and make sure it is only two pound 49 you waste renting this because amazon prime are a little sneaky it says rent in hd for three pounds 49 so if you want to save a pound press those purchase options because trust us you will get it a bit cheaper yeah the other, the other thing that like struck me with this movie as well was the acting especially from the like the lead female it's like when anybody died she looked really sinister about it like she had no emotion and i was thinking oh is there some sort of conspiracy going on with her that she actually um wants these people to get killed by this shark because she's like obsessed with it and studying it so that's how it came across. I don't think that was the intention. I think we were supposed to root for this woman, but she wasn't portrayed in a great light, in, in my opinion. No. And it was just like, oh yeah, they're dead. Okay. <laughs> she spends most of the climax just sitting up in a helicopter that's flying about. So she doesn't really influence the end of the movie, even though she's this expert on prehistoric sharks. So they kind of sideline her while Ben Carpenter, who is John Barrowman, and uh, Chuck Rampart go off and try and do what men have got to do in terms of shark movies. It's it's just plodding, boring nonsense for quite a lot of it. And I, I really don't think there's any reason for me to ever watch this again. No, we've been there, done it now. And I, I feel though it had to be talked about for Summer of Sharks. We could not avoid yeah. this film because, again, it is quite well known in the shark infested waters of movies but i have to point out i've not seen shark attack or shark attack 2 now i don't believe that you have to see those movies to see this one i don't think they're related in any capacity so yeah let us know if, uh, if they are worth checking out if they uh, kind of trump this one I, do, I mean i don't know if that's possible really in terms of the bizarreness weirdly enough jenny mcshane who plays the shark expert in this one is in shark attack one but plays a completely different character now there's nothing wrong with casting people multiple times in franchise movies but quite an interesting sideline here probably more interesting than anything in the movie that there's a an actor in there that's appeared in more than one of these movies if you haven't seen shark attack 3 i can't really recommend it in all good faith because it's a pile of cack, to be perfectly honest. And I think IMDb agrees with you. 2.8 out of 10. Yep. And Shark Attack through Megalodon on Rotten Tomatoes rates um, with a 43% tomato meter and a 50% audience score, which shocked the hell out of me when I saw that. I thought, going back on Wikipedia, on its reception section, it said on Rotten Tomatoes it has an approval rating of 20% based on reviews from five critics. So I'm not sure when that was exactly posted, but it has gone up. And it's clear this film has developed a cult following. It's unavoidable. Again, it's the um, growth of the internet that has capitalised on it. It's going to be word of mouth. People are like, have you seen that 
weird shark movie with John Barrowman where he says this really weird line. So I think, yeah, it's it's definitely developed as a cult classic within the B movie genre. Fifty percent. That's. I mean, what what do people think when they watch this? I mean, you get things that are way lower in terms of ratings, and this gets fifty percent. I just don't get people sometimes. This is a way one to give, you know, an overall rating of 50% to. And another rating is based on people who sort of rated it sort of average, good and above. But half of the people who watched this thought it was kind of average to good and above. Did they watch a different version of the movie? Because this, I mean, the, the version I watched was fucking terrible. So I don't understand why it got 50%. I mean, 43% critics, got who are the critics? You've got big studio movies that are getting less than 43% and you get this kind of low-budget, bizarre thing that's just thrown together and is acted on basically a level of sort of local rep, not even not even that good. And yet 43% from the critics, I mean, I don't know, they've given them LSD before they watched it or something. It's, it's, it's weird. I do not get the ratings for this movie. IMDb, yes, 2.8. It's a piece of shit. 2.8 is probably around about what you should be giving it. But for half of the sort of general audience to go, yeah, yeah, I thought that was a pretty good movie. What? Why? In, in what? you? Well, obviously a different universe. Ron Tomatoes obviously fallen through some sort of wormhole and gone to some multiverse version of the Earth where the only thing that was playing for like 10 years was Shark Attack 3 and it's come back. So, and it's like, oh yeah, it's fallen back through this wormhole and everybody on this other multiverse thought Shark Attack 3 was the classic movie because it's the only thing you could see for about a decade. And then, I just, I do not understand. I don't think it's me either. I, I cannot work out why it got that rated. So for me, I find this movie entertaining in a what-the-fuck-am-I-watching sort of way. I view it in the same way that I view The Room, even though The Room is kind of this but elevated if that makes sense so that's how i see it i think it's the type of movie you could see with an audience something like a bad film club capacity i think that would be a pretty fun time to watch it but then it's not something that would deserve repeat viewings i don't think i think it's like a one-off kind of laugh out loud situation and then move on yeah but some people obviously want to helm this movie as a great b movie better than it actually is yeah, it's probably the test, yeah. I'm not particularly cynical about bad movies. In fact, I embrace quite a lot of bad movies. But this one, there's nothing going for it. There's literally nothing going for it. It's not quite as bad as maybe Shark and Saw, Women's Prison mm-hmm. Massacre. Although, having said that, Shark and Saw was made in a more competent way and it had Tracy Lords in it. So that's got points, but... Now, if you're looking for shark movies to watch, this should be way down the list. There's so many other shark movies you could watch in front of this one. Absolutely. And I do believe that if it wasn't for a famous actor starring in it and uttering an utterly bizarre line, I don't think if you took that out of it and if it was just like an unknown actor playing the part of Ben, that line isn't said at all and it is just the, the usual shark bit. I I honestly don't think this would have gained as much notoriety as it had. Yeah. And I think that, that's really what does it. It's like everyone's going to go around to each other and say, have you seen that John Barrowman shark movie? Because yeah. associating John Barrowman and a shark movie just seems like something out of a parallel universe. 
so that's where it comes from and I think people are drawn to it for that reason because otherwise I think it would be pretty much quite generic yeah absolutely and when it comes down to it you'd be better off going home and watching I Love Lucy I do wish we could chat longer and that's it for episode 74 of the HD Movie Podcast as always thank you for listening and if you enjoy our content, please feel free to check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. We would love to hear your opinions on the films that we cover. Next episode, it's the final instalments of our second Summer of Sharks series. Can't believe we've already got to the end of it. But we've got an interesting one next week to round off. It's a movie that was held up by an injunction at one point because it was too similar to Jaws. It is a movie called The Last Shark. Now this movie is very new to me so I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to get when um, when I go into it but I'm really excited to see why all this controversy was surrounding it so let's bring it on. The Last Shark, the last movie, Summer of Sharks 2022. And we are going to have a guest for the last summer of sharks once more we are going to be inviting shark aficionado kate orton onto the podcast to discuss this odd little italian shark opus so that'll be fun until then stay safe everybody we'll see you soon the hd movie podcast is presented by Haley ellis roberts and darren gaskell its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.